Okay, thank you very much, uh, Lori, for the prayers. Um, and to everyone here, welcome. Um, I don't know if there's anybody who's new this morning. Anybody new? First time to be here in KIC Luboa? Oh, okay, we've got one person. Wow, welcome. <laughs> Two people, excellent. It's lovely to see you. Welcome to Kampala International Church, Luboa. Uh, my name is Monica. I'm preaching this morning. Um, one of the leaders in this church, um, several others. You know, the people who sometimes come here and ask, who's the pastor in this church? <laughs> Anybody ever ask that question? <laughs> okay, so the, the, we, we believe here that past, being a pastor is really, the title itself is, is not really getting the real value of it. Being a pastor is really about gifting. Um, so what we have here is a set of leaders who are accountable to you um, through uh, members and, uh, and we believe that the church exists as a body. We have the giftings within us. Ours as leadership is really just to listen to God, to hear from God, um, and to minister as he leads us. This, so it's not really a single figure. If you're looking for a single figure who leads the church, you're kind of going to miss it. Okay, so anyway, that was not part of my sermon, but uh, maybe somebody had that in their minds. But for those who are new, you're welcome. It's lovely to have you. Um, thank you for choosing to come and join with us uh, this morning. So as was mentioned, we are in the book of Acts. Okay, lovely book, uh, the Acts of the Apostles. Or actually, I would call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. But um, uh, we have been going through it. Um, last week, those who were here last week, remember some of the highlights of it was really about having courage and boldness wherever we go to minister uh, the word of God, uh, walking in obedience to God, and that was how that was so, so important to our life in, in, uh, in, uh, in Christ, and how we have grace available to meet us in every area. Wherever we need, we actually have grace available to us uh, to face difficult situations and to enable us to walk a life of victory. Um, there were many other things that were said, and as Rory has mentioned, um, you can hear that from the uh, teaching which is available on our website. Um, you can go and listen to the recording. We normally record this sermon, so you can listen to them. So today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 24 and 25. Acts chapter 24 and 25. Um, and let me just first summarize what these two chapters are all about, and then we shall go into... Um, some of the things that I believe God has for us this morning. These two chapters, Acts 24 and 25, happen in a town called Caesarea. Caesarea, Caesarea. Yeah? Uh, different people have pronounced it differently. Caesarea, okay? This is a coastal town about 80 kilometers from Jerusalem. So if you imagine going from Entere to Jinja, then that's roughly um, where Caesarea, um, Caesarea was relative to Jerusalem. It was in the north on the coast. Now, Paul was taken to Caesarea for two reasons. First of all, to escape a plot that was hatched by the Jews to kill him. Uh, the, Jew, the Jews really were out to get him. So they plotted uh, to kill him, and he was rescued by the Romans, in a sense, to be able to actually, um, and to get him out of that situation, they moved him to Caesarea. Um, the other reason he was moved to Caesarea was basically to wait for his trial. He was going to be tried in Caesarea uh, by the Romans. So when he's in Caesarea, Paul's case is heard by three Roman officials on separate occasions. First, by the governor of Caesarea at that time, his name was Felix. And Felix was a kind of okayish guy. I mean, he, he gave 
while Paul was in prison in Caesarea, he gave him some liberty, some freedom. At least people could visit him. He had friends visiting him. Um, but the, the imprisonment became longer and longer and longer. And the main reason, actually, um, that Felix kept him in prison was, number one, he was hoping that Paul would bribe him so that <laughs> he releases him. Uh, yes, bribery didn't start in Uganda. <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> he was doing it to please the Jews. Okay? So this was a politician, um, and he was doing what is very common and typical, um, which was really to trying to please the majority of the people. He was doing to please the Jews, pretty much like Herod. I mean, Herod threw James in prison and killed him, and then the next thing is like, hey, people are happy, let me also throw Peter in. So it was really just to please other people. Now, after Felix, um, the next person who, I mean, Felix's term ended and Paul was left in prison, there was a new governor who came in. His name was Festus. Uh, the governor Festus, um, uh, again, was more interested in pleasing the Jews, really, than in administering true justice. So he kept Paul in prison. Um, but then what he did, uh, when he called Paul in front of him and to hear his case, he gave Paul a, a choice. He asked, choice uh, he asked Paul, do you want to go back to Jerusalem to have your case hard, or would you rather go to Rome? Other, would, you like, would you rather have it hard in front of the Romans? And uh, Paul decided, actually, he'd rather hear, have his case hard by the Romans, and I believe this was something that he was led by the Holy Spirit to actually um, say. Uh, because in Rome, at least, he would have some kind of fairer hearing. Um, if he went back to Jerusalem, basically the Jews were out to kill him, and that plot had not stopped. So that was some wisdom. Um, so while they're waiting and organizing to get Paul out of Caesarea onto, onto Rome, another, a third politician or a third person comes onto play, and that is King Agrippa. King Agrippa. Um, he happens to be in the town, and he's interested, he's, he wants to listen to the story because it sounds quite fascinating. So he's, he, he comes, you know, they have a very great assembly and they bring Paul forward um, to present his case. And Acts chapter 25 kind of ends there. If you, are, if you want to hear the rest of it, come next week. <laughs> but I want to concentrate on this bit, on this bit, um, Acts 24 to 25. And what I want to extract out of this, what I, what I believe that the Lord wants us to hear this morning is how, as believers, as Christians, we can um, deal with troubles, with trials, with tribulations, with all these things that are very normal and very ordinary in the life of a believer. In fact, if you go through the book of Acts, this is one of the things that you pick up over and over again. You will see people faced with troubles, believers faced with troubles, with tribulations, with trials, with temptations, all manner of things. Um, and I want to just summarize this. There are some differences. You know, when, when you go into the actual definitions, trials, tribulations, and there's some slight differences, but I just want to gather them all together and call them troubles. How do we as believers walk through troubles? Um, how do we successfully walk through troubles? Because if there's one thing that is consistent across all believers, one thing that is very, very, very consistent across all believers is that you will face troubles here on earth. Amen? Amen. Thank you. One person says yes. The others are still thinking. Okay, let me ask it this way. Has anybody never, ever, ever faced a problem? Ever. Ever, 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 ever. And I'm talking about 
faced a problem, faced a sickness, faced a disease, faced a, you know, whatever you may call it, persecution, trials, tribulations, you've never faced it, you've never gone through it. <laughs> not, not overcome, that's a different word. Of course, you are all, we are all overcomers, but faced it. Okay? If you haven't, hang around. <laughs> hang around. <laughs> because the reality is you are either just coming out of one, or right now you are in the middle of one, or you are just about to get into one. You are sitting in one of those three scenarios. Or for some people, it's like all of the above. Okay? I mean, or maybe you should come and just live with me because my life is just... On Friday, for example, I was, you know, I was trying to sit and, and pull these thoughts and, and things that God had given me about today's message. I wanted to really put them down. Um... Um, in someone form, um, and I was just thinking about how to write it out, and you know, was, I, was, I opened my computer, started typing, and then my computer froze. And my computer is generally reliable, I don't normally have problems, but it literally just froze. So for one hour, I sat there, prayed in tongues, spoke to the computer, and it just froze. So I thought, okay, this is not good. <laughs> So anyway, finally, you know, after switching on off and doing all these things, finally, it sort of started. And you know, you see that round thing going round and round and round. They say, okay, while it's thinking, um, right in the middle of that, we get a call from uh, one of our relatives. Uh, uncle had actually just been rushed into hospital uh, from up country. He was brought in as a critical condition. He actually had to be brought in as in an ambulance. So they rushed into hospital and he was admitted. So our relatives called and said, look, he's here. Um, um, come and see him, inviting us to go and see him. So I had to leave the computer, rush into another trouble. <laughs> and uh, as we rushed there, you know, we you know, reached there, prayed for him, prayed over him. We thank God he's actually improved. Um, in fact, this morning we just got a message that he's being discharged. So that's a very, very good news. <laughs> but yesterday, because this was Friday, now yesterday, we received another message again from, uh, that a close relative had actually been taken ill, and this person was in Barara, and they had gone to a clinic, the clinic was closed, they had gone to another hospital, and then, you know, they couldn't find medication, they had to rush them to um, somewhere else. So in all these, you know, phone calls going back and forth, what's the situation, what's going on? So it was like, you know, trouble after trouble after trouble. So the, the point I'm driving across here is that troubles are really not supposed to be unusual. They should never be a surprise. You know, the strangest question you can ask as a believer is, why am I going through all these issues? <laughs> that is a strange question. Um, the reality is the word of God tells us that we will face trouble. Uh, First Peter chapter 4 verse 12 says, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you face these fiery trials, and it says fiery, it doesn't just say trials, it says fiery trials, when they come upon you to test you, eh, as though something strange were happening to you. This is the Bible, eh? I'm reading literally, word for word. First Peter chapter four, verse 12. Um, Jesus also said to his disciples before he was crucified, this was just before he was about to be crucified, he says, in this life, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble trouble. He wasn't joking. He was being perfectly serious. The good news, though, is that Jesus also promises that he has overcome, and so can we. So can we. 
And he commands us to be of good cheer, be of good cheer. Um, in Amplified, he says, take courage, be confident, be certain, be undaunted. In other words, be fearless, bold, because I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of its power to harm you or to hurt you, and I have conquered it for you. That's how it says in the Amplified, um, John chapter 16, verse 33. So as we go through today's chapters, um, we can take the opportunity to really learn how someone who encountered trial after trial after trial and trouble after trouble, um, we can learn from this man, the Apostle Paul. We study how he successfully went through these tribulations and trials and distresses and frustrations. And I have picked up four lessons um, that we will uh, just run through um, about going successfully through trials, tribulations, temptations, and all these things that we call troubles. First thing is to understand and to know that troubles don't actually come from God. Troubles do not come from God. Trials, temptations, tribulations do not come from God. Um, the troubles or the trials that Paul was facing, where did they come from? Because I've just narrated to you these cases where he was going through running away from the plot to kill him, uh, facing the Roman officials. Where did these things come from? What was their origin? Well, first of all, the Jewish religious leaders who were very much opposed to the good news. Okay, that was one source. Political leaders such as Felix, Festus, Agrippa, who were really people pleasers. They were more interested in pleasing other people and of course pleasing themselves. Um, is what also caused this trouble. The reality is troubles do come from many origins. The root cause really, from a spiritual perspective, is the enemy. We live in a world that has the Antichrist very active. Okay, so anybody who is for Christ, you are going to meet the Antichrist very, very soon if you haven't. We live in a world that is programmed to resist us um, as people of God. So troubles come from the enemy, they come from people who make wrong decisions or ungodly decisions, including ourselves at times. Let's be honest. Sometimes we do make ungodly decisions and we suffer the consequences. Troubles also come from a world that is broken, that is hard, that is really not working the way it's supposed to work, ideally. So there are many sources of troubles, but please understand that troubles do not come from God. And a lot of people believe this. You hear things like, God is testing me. God has brought difficulty in my life to refine me. I don't know if you've had people say things like those. God has put this challenging situation so that I can give glory to him. He has given me this, this challenging situation, this difficult situation, so that I can give him glory. That's not quite right. Okay, that is really not right. God is not creating problems and challenges and difficulties in order to test you or to tempt you or to teach you a lesson. And how do I know this? Well, first of all, the perfect image of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. And you never see Jesus Christ, you know, when he walked this earth, sitting in a corner somewhere and coming up with problems to throw in his disciples' way, just so that they can give him glory. You never see that scenario. Um, and it says so also in many places in the Bible, for a New Testament believer, in James chapter 1, verse 13, for example, it says, God cannot tempt anyone. God cannot tempt anyone. So it's important that you know that troubles don't come from God. If you believe that troubles come from God, sometimes you may be tempted to just be passive towards them because after all, this is God's will. And that's not really the right way to go through troubles. So we need to understand 
we are supposed to resist trouble, navigate through trouble, um, uh, uh, come against trouble, um, and if they were from God, that's not the instructions we'd be given. Okay? The good news is God promises that no matter where we are, no matter how we face these troubles or how they come into our lives, he can see us through them. He can provide a way of escape from them. And he can provide strength, courage, wisdom, and all these things that we need to actually successfully navigate through troubles. Okay? So that's number one. Please keep that in mind. Troubles do not originate from God. They come from many other sources. Um, second thing to learn from these two chapters is that troubles can actually be an opportunity, an opportunity for testimonies. Troubles can give birth to powerful, powerful testimonies. You notice that every time Paul went before uh, these religious leaders and political leaders to present his case, every time he was on trial, he would defend himself, yes, but he would also you know, have, take the opportunity to actually minister or talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, the reason for his faith. It was a great opportunity for him to actually present the gospel. Yeah? And we should do the same. When we are faced with trouble, let's focus on God and the testimony that he desires us to have rather than the actual problem. You know, when we went to see my uncle yesterday, uh, rather on Friday in a hospital, uh, good enough, many of us are Christians. So we went there and we were just rejoicing over the fact that at least he made it in hospital, we're rejoicing for what God had done to bring him there and just praying over him. So our focus really was on God, not so much on the sickness, not so much on the problem. And this is how I believe the Lord wants to take us through. We are to focus on the testimony, on who he is in that problem, focus on his presence in that problem. Um, so I have learned through experience and uh, many, many years of trial and error, I have learned that whenever I'm faced with a challenge, I need to ask myself some simple questions. I need to ask myself, what would God like me to do in this scenario? What is God doing in this scenario? How does he want me to represent him in this scenario? That's the question I, 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 I ask myself. I've trained myself to, to ask myself. Um, because if I don't, it's very, very easy to just give in to the problem and be sucked into this chaos that the trouble is designed to bring into my life. So look out for the testimony. Look out for the testimony when you have a challenge. If you don't have enough money, look out for God's provision. Rather than just focus on the lack of finances. If someone is sick, ask yourself, Lord, how can I bring your healing into this situation? If you're in the middle of a difficult job or a difficult situation, a difficult relationship, focus on the wisdom of God. Lord, how can I bring your wisdom? What is your wisdom for this situation um, in terms of relationship with my employer, in terms of relationship with my colleagues, or whoever it is that I'm relating to? Uh, what is the wisdom that you have for me here? Jesus commanded us to be of good cheer. Be of good cheer in, in John chapter 16, verse 33, when we face troubles. Why? Because he has overcome the world. Every trouble you go through has been overcome by Jesus. And you know, when you think about this, I was just thinking about this in worship. <clears throat> As a believer, we are programmed for success. You know, no matter what happens, if the worst comes to the worst and you drop dead, you're going to be with the Lord. You have won. The enemy has lost. Amen? So you're literally, you know, even if you try hard, <laughs> you, you cannot fail in that sense. You're programmed for success. Do you understand? 
So, so that's, you know, this is what Jesus was saying. Keep your focus on who I am, what I've done for you, rather than on what this problem is there to do, to, to really pull you down and drag you down and mess up your life and make you lose your concentration. Focus on what I have done for you. Like I said, if the worst comes to the worst, you are still, your victory is still secured 100%. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, um, back to Paul. Paul went through these trials, ended up with very powerful testimonies. And even, you know, when you read his letters, a lot of these letters, incidentally, were written in places like when he was in prison, um, like in, in Caesarea. Um, you see his writing, and he's talking about this joy that he has on the inside of him. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10, and I picked this passage because it's so reflective of what, what was going on in Paul's life. Eh? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. It says, and this is Paul writing to the Corinthians, we are afflicted in every way, but we are never crushed, not crushed. We are perplexed, puzzled, challenged, but never driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are always carrying the body of the death of Jesus Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. This is the source of, of Paul's victory, um, the very fact that the life of Jesus was actually on the inside of him. So let trouble be an opportunity for you to show what the Lord has placed on the inside of you. So that's the other thing. Troubles can be an opportunity for testimonies. Actually, the, you know, somebody says, I, remember, I can't remember who it was, but this statement, testimony is made up of two words, a test and then a money. <laughs> Uh, so you have to go through the test. You cannot get a testimony without a test. Okay, so troubles are an opportunity for testimonies. They give birth to testimonies when we stand with the Lord in them. Okay, so that's the second lesson. The third lesson is to seek the wisdom and the strength of the Holy Spirit in the midst of your trouble. Or even before you go into trouble, if you see it coming, um, it is important that we remain focused on the Holy Spirit. So let's seek his wisdom, let's seek his guidance, let's seek his strength on how we can successfully go through these troubles. Paul was very good at doing this. Last week we saw an example where he used wisdom to, you know, to confuse these Pharisees and Sadducees. He was standing in front of them and making his defense. And then, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees always had this contest between the two of them. The Pharisees believed in life after death, the Sadducees did not. So what Paul did very cleverly to interrupt this trial and just bring it to an end, he started talking about how I am here because of my belief in the life after death. Now, of course, the Sadducees was like, what? And the Pharisees were like, yeah, there's life after death. And then they started quarreling amongst them. And in the middle of that career, <laughs> the whole thing stopped. <laughs> so that was wisdom, really using wisdom. Well, in today's sections, if you look at that, uh, Acts chapter 25, you see Paul cleverly navigating his way through going back to Jerusalem. Initially, Festus wanted to send him back to Jerusalem. But then Paul used a very interesting argument. He says, you know, if you really believe that I am here for a good reason, don't take me back to Jerusalem. Take me back, take me to Rome where I can face, um, I, can, I can be at the, at the mercy of the justice of Rome. And he believed, I believe, um, you know, I, I know that he was looking at Rome being able to uh, met out justice that was more fair than if he goes back to Jerusalem. If he went back to Jerusalem, he basically would be killed. There would be no hearing, no case, nothing. He would be stoned to death because that's what happened before. So Paul navigated his way very cleverly 
Uh, Festus was inclined to send him back to Jerusalem, but he navigated his way out of it, and eventually uh, Festus says, okay, you have appealed to Caesar, to Caesar you will go. And that's how he started his journey towards Rome. So, friends, we need wisdom and guidance and strength when we undergo troubles. We don't just go through them passively, okay? We need guidance. Um, we need strength. We need supernatural ability. We need to be able to see how to walk out of it. You know, last week, uh, I think it was either Tuesday or Wednesday, I woke up, I actually slept very uh, poorly. I had, I had, for some strange reason, I got an earache just before I, I, I went to bed. Um, and then it, it became really, really bad while I was sleeping. And it was so bad, I couldn't actually sleep on my side. And then it spread all the way from my head. The right side of my body was really, really in pain and in agony. So I woke up in the morning, and as, you know, I, was, I was just speaking in tongues and praying to the Lord and asking the Lord, what is it? You know, how can I pray through this? And then the, the, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and says, cast the root of it. Cast the root of it. And I thought, what does that mean, cast the root of it? But anyway, I began to follow those instructions. I just basically spoke into you know, the root of it, and I cast it. And the pain went almost immediately. And then a few minutes later, it came back again. And the Holy Spirit continued to minister that, cast the root of it. So it wasn't so much the pain, it was the root of it. So I continued to do that, and, and eventually it went and completely left. Okay, so, so it wasn't, you know, if it was the norm, I'd be like, okay, let me just go to the hospital, or okay, maybe there's a problem with the pain, let me take some painkillers. And in some cases, yes, that's the right thing to do if you're guided by the Holy Spirit in that way. But in this case, I was given very specific wisdom for that scenario, that spe specific situation that actually worked. So let's seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, okay? Let's seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Let's seek his strength. Let's seek his, his ability whenever we go through challenges. And this is also what Paul told the Corinthians uh, when he wrote to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he was encouraging them and he said to them, you see, God is faithful. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, in case somebody's taking notes, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, very encouraging. He says, God is faithful to his word and to his compassionate nature. I'm reading from the Amplified. And he can be trusted not to let you be tempted or tried beyond your ability or your strength uh, of resistance and power to endure. But with the temptation, with the trouble, with the trial, whatever you're facing, he will always also provide the way out, the means of escape to a landing place. He will always, always, always provide that so that you may be capable and strong and powerful to bear it up patiently. Amen? Amen. So let's trust the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for guidance, um, and for really strength. Whatever we need, the Holy Spirit is there. He, he's, he provides comfort, he provides help, um, and provides grace in time of need. Okay? So I have mentioned three lessons so far. Number one, um, we are to make sure that we know that troubles don't come from God. Number two is that trials are supposed to be an opportunity for testimonies. They give back to testimonies. And then we are to seek the wisdom and the strength from the Holy Spirit whenever we go through challenges and trials and tribulations because he has the answer of how to best navigate through that. Okay, then the last one, um, there are many of course, but uh, I tried to just capture a few that we, we, we could learn from in this space and time. Troubles are an opportunity to refine you, to prove what is on the inside of you. 
You see, even though God is not an originator of troubles, he doesn't really originate them. He can actually use them to refine you. The same way that gold is refined. Um, I, I don't know if some of you are familiar with the way that gold is refined. When gold is removed and extracted from deep, deep down under the earth, it comes out in the form of rocks and rubble and stones. In fact, you can't actually see the gold. All you see is just these huge rocks and, and, and rubble and, you know, stones. Um, and it almost, when you look at it, it's like there's no value to it. But then the way that gold is extracted out of that is to put this stuff under extremely high pressure by using either very high fire, uh, high temperature fire, up to 2,000 degrees Celsius, and then also very, very aggressive and strong chemicals. The gold is put through very, very rigorous testing and pressure to finally extract it out of that mess. And when the process is done correctly, what happens is you see the gold. The gold is actually revealed. Even though all along it was inside of that rocks and the rubble and the mess, you actually see it revealed. So in the same way, when you go through problems and challenges and trials, then it's an opportunity to see what is inside of you. You see, it's very easy. If I was to ask here, for example, how many of us know that Jesus Christ dwells on the inside of us? How many? Okay? Yes? Some of you are still thinking about it? <laughs> okay? Hopefully every believer does know that Jesus Christ dwells on the inside of us. Okay? If I was to ask, how do you know that he dwells on the inside of us? Okay? How do you know? Okay, he tells me what to do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There's a change in your life. You see it. Okay. The word tells us as well uh, that, uh, you know, we, we are actually, in the word, it tells us when we believe on him, he comes and dwell on, dwells on the inside of us. And these are all very good um, things that we, we, we can say, we can talk about. Um, but, you see, talk is easy. Let me put it that way. Talk is easy. Um, if, if I was, and I, I want to demonstrate this. I don't know. Um, Conrad, maybe come up. This is why nobody ever sits in the front. Because eh? <laughs> they don't like being chosen. Sorry. So if, if, you, if you look at this young man here, what do you see? You see an ordinary man. Yes, Nelson. <laughs> you see his jacket. Yes, you see a jacket? Fashionable. He's very peaceful, thank you. You see, you know, he's five foot, what, two? <laughs> he weighs 20, 20 kilos, 20, 20.5, okay. <laughs> Let's give him an extra 0.5. But what you see is the physical. But you see, there is much, much more to, to Conrad, to this man. Because on the inside of him is pure gold. Inside of him is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The most powerful God on this earth lives on the inside of this man. And in the inside of every believer seated here. Is that amazing? 
Emmanuel, God with us. Think about that, five foot, whatever, 20.5 kilos, nice jacket, <laughs> peaceful, calm and all this. But the living God who created the universe is seated on the inside of him. Okay? Now, when he is put under pressure, okay, because it's very easy for us to sit here and talk about it, but when he is put under pressure, now you can see patience. You can see kindness. Because all this outside becomes almost irrelevant. When he comes out and he says, I was patient through a trial. When you see him going through trial after trial, and he does it with patience, and he's kind to those who are around him, and he basically gives voice to the Christ that is in, within him. Now you can see the gold that is on the inside of him. And you can say, truly, this man is a child of the living God. Do you understand that? When you see the trials, when you see him going through trials and doing it in a way that reflects the character, the image of the risen Christ, then you can say exactly like the soldier said, truly, this man is the son of the living God. Okay? Well done. So it's the same thing. You know, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fiery furnace, the revelation of Christ, there was a fourth man that was seen in there. Have you ever wondered, where was this fourth man before they went into the fiery furnace? He was there all along, isn't it? But yet, it, it took the fiery furnace, the fiery furnace, to actually see you know, this was the Old Testament, so there are types and shadows. You could see the risen Christ, in a sense, in the midst of a fiery furnace. So inside of every one of us dwells the living God. The one who created the universe, the one who has conquered the enemy. When we go through trials and tribulations, let's look at, that, that, at the living God who is on the inside of us and we actually can reveal him. We can reveal who he is on the inside of us. Um, first Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. You know, Peter was really somebody else who went through a lot of these challenges, and he, he kind of put it together in, in a summary form. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7. Um, if we are reading together. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says this. In this you rejoice... Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. In other words, you've gone through various trials and they have grieved you. They have, you know, pushed back on you. So I get there's a reason for rejoicing. Verse 7. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold, that perishes even though it's tested by fire. Imagine that. Gold that is, you know, supposed to be one of the most precious metals on this earth, very durable. But what we have on the inside of us is far, far, far more precious than gold. Okay? So that the genuineness of your faith, which is more precious than gold that perishes though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, when we reveal the Lord Jesus Christ, when we go through that fiery furnace or through that fiery trial. Amen? So we need to view trials, tribulations, and all these things that we encounter in a very different light that the, from the way that we normally do. Stop wasting your troubles. <laughs> Some of you are praying very hard, Lord, take away my trouble. Take away my trial. 
And indeed, it, it, it's right to, to, you know, to, to push back and to resist. There's a, there's a place for that. But the, you know, the verse says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Psalm 138 talks about, though I walk in the midst of trouble. If you're looking for a trouble-free life, you're in the wrong religion or the wrong faith. <laughs> it doesn't work that way, okay? What we do is we are victorious even in the midst of troubles. In fact, we are so victorious, so confident of this victory that we actually have reason to rejoice. And you see it in many of these New Testament writers. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, what I've just talked about. It talks about rejoicing. We have a reason to rejoice when we are faced with troubles because something more precious than gold is going to be revealed out of that situation in us. Um, James chapter 1, verse 2 to 3, count it all joy. Count it all joy. When you go through different kinds of trials, not even one trial, but different kinds of trials, count it all joy. Why? Because the trials that you undergo will enable you to reveal the character of Christ. His endurance, his patience, his steadfastness, all that will come out through the trials. Um, Paul himself referred to his troubles as a light affliction. Can you imagine that? Stoned to death, plots to kill him. And he says, oh, but it's a light affliction. A light affliction, imagine that, compared to the weight of glory that we see. So these verses show us that we can have supernatural joy. We can have supernatural joy when we go through the trouble. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that you rejoice at the trouble. I do not rejoice when my ankle is sick. I do not rejoice when my computer is doing the whole round and round and round. That's not the reason for my trouble. No, the reason for my rejoicing is because I can see the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of this fiery furnace in the midst of the trials and the temptations. Amen? Um, think of the way that Paul went through his trials with the Roman government, and think of the way that Jesus went through his trial in front of Pontius Pilate. And just think about the two of them facing the Roman government, because both of them were essentially facing representatives of the Roman government. Do you see amazing similarities? Lots of similarities between the two cases. How did Paul face the Roman officials? How did Jesus face Pontius Pilate? Paul was confident and bold, and so was Jesus. Paul was respectful, but yet very reverential towards God, and so was Jesus. Jesus trusted in God throughout the trial. He knew that God would deliver him, and so did Paul. Both of them very humble. Both of them. So when you see Paul, it's almost as if you're seeing Jesus literally going through his trial again. What about you? When you go through the trial, when you go through the temptation, when you go through all these persecutions, these challenges that are part of the everyday life, do you see Jesus? There isn't, Lord. Amen? If not, you have potential to successfully and victoriously rise above your problems. If you do see Jesus, that's a wonderful, wonderful victory, and you need to share your testimonies with others. Amen? Amen. So I'll close at this point, and uh, if you are here and you're really not sure whether Jesus dwells on the inside of you, this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. We always delight in leading people to really acknowledge the risen Lord and to actually have him come and dwell in their hearts. If you're here, you've never really received the Lord Jesus Christ and put him in your hearts, this is a wonderful opportunity to do so. 
You can just raise your hand and we can pray over you, with you, and then you can actually walk in that victorious knowledge that you are a child of the living God. Anybody here who has never really acknowledged the living God on the inside of them and they want to do so now? Anyone here? Yes? Okay. So the rest of us can walk in boldness and confidence that the living God dwells on the inside of them. Amen? Amen. So this coming week, remember that boldness, remember that confidence, that humility, and that reverence that we always have for God um, as, as, as uh, children of the living God. Amen. Let's rise up and pray. Indeed. We praise the Lord for that. Father, we are so thankful <clears throat> that while you are here on earth, you gave us an example of what it means to live a victorious life while facing the challenges and the problems of this earth. Father, thank you that you have left your Holy Spirit or you've, you've given us your Holy Spirit to be with us at all times. That the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, dwells on the inside of us. And in him, the fullness of the Godhead actually dwells in us. You as our Father, um, Jesus Christ, our Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you that you have knowledge and you know the troubles that are already ahead of us. You have prepared us, you have given us the wisdom, the comfort, uh, the strength, the abilities, the capabilities, whatever is needed to successfully go through these trials and temptations. Thank you that you have already foreseen them and you have equipped us to go through them victoriously. Thank you for this lesson that we have studied. And I just pray that your word, as it is planted in the hearts and the minds of the men and women seated here, or standing here, that that word will not be taken away by the enemy, but will be implanted and rooted and grounded in our hearts. And that it will bring forth fruit that will enable us to walk successful lives, bearing witness, just as your saints bear witness in the old times. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. There's tea and coffee available. If anybody wants personal prayer, they're going through a situation and you want prayer specific into that situation, um, we are here. We have prayer people, people who can pray with you as well as leaders. But otherwise, have a great week. God bless. Amen.